Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And this fine evening, I am joined by Tom Nightingale, who is basically here every single day now. Um, I almost talk to him more than I do my own girlfriend. Just kidding. If she's listening somehow. And of course, we have Simon O'Regan as well. We're going to go over Newcastle United 1, Aston Villa 0. Um, to a little bit of some degree, it'll be intertwined within a lot of uh, listener feedback, talk, talking points, questions uh, that you all so graciously sent us to keep some of our sanity. Because to be honest, I don't know if I could talk about this result isolated for about half an hour, an hour, whatever, how long we decided to go on, um, because it was absolutely dog shit. Actually, you know what? That's probably root to dog shit. Let's be honest. But anyways, Tom, let's go to you first. How's it going with you? I mean, I probably could talk about this result for like 30 or 60 minutes, but let's not put our listeners through that. Eh? That's, that's cruelty on a, on a Sunday, on a Monday. Um, I mean, it's as bad as it's been under Gerard, isn't it? Let's be real. Like that was, um, talk about one step forward and two steps back. I don't know how many, uh, I don't know how many steps back we've taken there, but um, you know, we were, I was on with you, Cole, after the Leeds game and we were talking about the, not getting three points from that game and, and, uh, the disappointment after that, like honestly, I would rather watch games like the Villa Leeds game a thousand times over than watch a performance like that again. Uh, I just it's you know obviously it's 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 on to the next one, and you don't want to dwell on it too much. But it's it's really difficult to find anything good to say. To be honest, I thought if I'm looking for positives off the bat, I did think that Mings bounced back well. I thought he was one of our better players, if not our best player today. Um. But we're sort of redefining the term slim pickings, aren't we, really? We're uh, we're picking at straws and we were chatting, honestly, before this a little bit. I'm just kind of getting the, the I wouldn't say the negative views, but some of the things we probably don't want to say in a recording because we'll probably come off as idiots, let's be honest, or whatever. But getting some of the unpopular opinions out of our system to relieve ourselves. But anyways, let's go to Simon, who relieved himself a little bit in that sense as well. So how's it going for you, my friend? Uh, not too bad. I mean, I suppose we've this is a few hours after the game, so I've had a bit of time to calm down because I think if we'd, uh, if we'd have recorded straight after, I, I don't know how many bleeps you'd have to pull in because I think I'd have exploded. So I'm, uh, yeah, really, really disappointed after watching that. It's, I mean, I, I think Tom's done extremely well to, to take a positive out of that, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's not the easiest task. And to be honest, I was I was sitting about, I don't know, half an hour after the game, still on the couch, sitting around and just thinking, is there any positives? And again, well done to Tom for thinking of one. And I thought, you know what, like this season has so many up and downs and we hope for so much more. And it started kind of downwards and then upwards and it's been a full on roller coaster. And I thought, you know what? So many other Premier League sides go through a season like this and finish mid-table, and it's really annoying to them. And I thought, when's the last time Villa ever did that? And then I thought, you know what? As much as that's not really much of a positive, I will take it because anytime we don't have to worry about relegation, 
I'm, I'm very much happy and I don't think we're in any certain threat of that. Um, unless we just don't win for the rest of the season, of course, then we might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, and I was thinking as well, we have Watford next. And going into that one, you sit there and think they're on no confidence. So we'll probably give them a little bit of confidence, I'm sure. But nonetheless, Tom, I mean, we can kind of dive into the game now, I guess, for a little bit before we get on to uh, listener questions and talking points and all that kind of uh, sort of stuff. But where does this loss really sit with you? I mean, the goal, the way that we conceded um, the uh, Ollie Watkins goal that was chalked off by VAR, which I still don't agree with, even though they've shown proof of it. But anyways, where does this one sit with you in terms of maybe not like all time losses, but just the season? I mean, like when you end up when you end up playing with, you know, against I think after Trippier went off, you ended up playing against the Newcastle defense, Paul Dummett, Dan Byrne, Sher and Emil Kraft. You're playing against that back four and you can't create anything really. Like, okay, we scored the we scored the goal. I'm not gonna go on too much about the goal because personally I don't uh, I didn't think it was clear cut wrong decision. It's just one of those, it's annoying. I thought we'd stop this with drawing the lines and measuring the toenails and everything. But, and you know, you could say, we were chatting before, you could say like it's a critical point in the game. Like if that goal counts and you go on, then you could win. But like that's feels a little bit like, you know, if a manager, if our manager came out and said that after today's game, I'd be a little bit annoyed with him because it's just these what ifs, right? Whereas I liked, I like Gerard's approach, like uncompromising. Today was not good enough anywhere really like the manner in which we conceded was uh unfortunate not as bad as bloody wednesday night but (laughs) but not great but it's for me it's like the our midfield i'm sick and tired of like watching games where villa's midfield just cannot control the game at all cannot dictate the game thought mcginn had one of his poorer games. He blows, you know, we know that he blows hot and cold a little bit um, to shame because generally this season, I think he's been playing, he's been, he's been back to his best for a, a lot of the season so far. But, but today I thought he was poor. Same with Louise, really. Like we just, there's no, there's no control on the ball. There's no dictating the play. Um, you know, I was, I was moaning about Watkins on after the Leeds game. And again, like it's very, it's very, it's very frustrating because he's a shadow of the player that he was last season. But the the disconnect between midfield and striker, there's just absolutely nothing there. And like the only time that we were getting Watkins on the ball, we're sort of lumping it up from the back, and he's got to he's got to try and hold it up against two, three, four defenders and wait for midfield to catch up. And it's just I don't. Today's one of those games. You look at it. I don't really know what our plan was. And the frustrating thing is, like the Leeds game, we said. It was very obvious. Leeds had a very obvious game plan, which was use the wingers and the pace up front to exploit the gaps in behind our fullbacks. And they did that and it worked well for them. Like today, I don't even, there was nothing, you don't, you know, you look at Newcastle's performance today and you don't really think, oh, I can understand why we struggled there, you know, or, oh, that was, in fairness, that was really hard to play against. It was just, they were, I didn't think they were particularly good. And we were just as bad as I've seen us for a long time. It's one of those where you almost, I almost wish we had a game midweek so we could sort of put it behind us quicker and roll on. But I mean, the, the, there is a lot of work to do um, and it, it's difficult because I think we're still in that adaptation period to Gerard's system and everything. But 
today is one of those games. You mentioned it about being safe from relegation. We've sort of been bitten on the arse, I think, by saying, I know I, for one, was saying early on, like, I think we're going to finish mid-table this season. It's great to be safe from relegation. Let's just be happy with the mid-table finish. And like the weeks like this week that we've had uh, very much on the negative side of that mindset, really. Like, it feels like we've got nothing particularly to play for. Um, and it's just how you've got to pick ourselves back up now. One win in seven, five points in two months in the league you know it's it's bleak yeah and i mean i don't think i would ever have envisioned um, or visualized i could really say if i could speak english um steven gerrard sitting there in like the 87th minute or whatever the the time the camera panned him and he was sitting back in his seat with his arms crossed and i wouldn't say he looked short of ideas but you could tell he was absolutely pissed off and i thought you know what? I honestly wouldn't mind if some tables and chairs were broken or thrown around after that one. Cause, and I mean, he came out post-match and said, there's going to be some changes and I, you know what? Like I do respect that. Now let's see if it actually happens. Let's see what kind of changes are made. Uh, actions speak louder than words in this kind of circumstance. Cause we've kind of seen that again. And as much as I love Dean Smith, he did stick with the same system and we kind of saw what the end result was eventually, but Simon, where does this one sit with you in the grand scheme of things? Because, again, I, I don't think we can forget a lot of Villa fans not too long ago are thinking we're getting um, three points from Leeds. We're getting three points from Newcastle United. We'll go into Watford full of confidence. Could be nine points out of nine. And now we're going into this game. And I'm thinking we'll probably give them some confidence. And they're arguably the worst team in the league. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean. Yeah, th- this was a real bad one today. We were saying before we started recording that I kind of you looked at the two starting lineups before the game, and really, other than Trippier, you can make an argument for Saint Maximum. You looked at their starting eleven and thought there's not many, if any, that would get into ours. But sort of Tom hit the nail on the head there, and to be honest, he's just going over old ground. It's the midfield. It's, it's such a real problem for us, and everyone knew it in the summer. It was something that needed to be addressed and it wasn't. I can see why it maybe wasn't properly addressed in January just because, you know, some of the targets that were after the deals just weren't right there. But the lack of a commanding presence in that midfield is it's just such a problem. And I think and that's why it begins sort of been struggling, especially the last few games. You see, when Gerald first came in, you had the camber in there who was playing very well. And begin looks a bit better because I think without sort of a proper defensive midfielder there, where you've got Louise in there, that I mean it's not his game either. He kind of he should be doing better than than he is doing, but at the same time, I feel it's a bit like when when De was getting sick at the start of the season. If someone's been played in a position that isn't sort of natural to them. I think you need to give a bit of leeway, but because he's in there and it's not his natural area, I think Begin is having to play deeper than he'd want to be. And, and that that's not his game. You're looking for Scotland and he's much more of the sort of attacking force midfield and he gets goals for them. Because at the moment, he's been asked to play deep and sort of cover the full-back area when Cash is going forward as well. And I'm not sure if that necessarily works for him. So... When we were chatting in the WhatsApp group earlier, he's one of those players that I absolutely love him. And I'm not I'm not for one second saying that you get rid of John McGinn or set him on. But I think in 
the midfield setup as it is, unless we signed a proper holding midfielder in the summer, I think he might struggle to to uh, to gain a regular place in that eleven as it is at the moment. It's only really Ramsey who's sort of consistently performing in that midfield three at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I hate throwing all of this on Douglas Louise because partially it's unfair. But this probably has to be one, in my opinion, one of the worst weeks of his Villa career. Like it's just, it's. I feel bad because he should be playing a little bit further forward. He shouldn't be in that position. But at the end of the day, the way I see it too is you're in that position, so you have to make the best out of it, and you have to do the jobs maybe you don't necessarily want to. And I guess that kind of, I guess, segues nicely into our first uh, one of our first questions or thoughts we really got from one of our. followers or commenters i guess you could say uh for this portion uh john evans um at john evans 91 on twitter he says villa since returning to the premier league have been awful against the high press which was part of our problem today when we face it we can't get the ball away from the defenders what's the solution a proper cdm to take the ball and feed for uh, feed it forwards and that's how we kind of ends it on those kind of questions and tom i'll throw that at you and i mean simon said it so well we all kind of point at the cdm to almost that one single mindset think if we get one of those in that's proper no nonsense like that fixes everything but does it really yeah i mean that's the you've got to be careful haven't you because we're it's part of a wider issue i think now where we're clearly uh sort of evolving into becoming a spending club right like we've shown that we're not afraid to upgrade and everything like and that's great because you obviously need to upgrade to keep moving forward, particularly the way that football is these days. But you've got, got to be so careful about, you know, um, anyone being sucked into this idea that we'll sign a, you know, a, a defensive midfielder, somebody in the Basuma role or wherever in, in the summer and suddenly, you know, we'll be dominating midfield and everything will, will be better. Like the, the key issue, or one of the key issues that I see is like, I think we're trying to set up to be a possession-based team. I don't know if it's that we don't have. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that we don't have good enough players because, like, let's face it, like we're a team full of international players these days. It's the best. It's the best starting lineup certainly that we've had since O'Neill, like without a doubt. And we've got a team full of internationals, so I'm, 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 I don't like saying that I don't think we have the quality of players. So it comes to a point where day, days like today you can't really pin it on individual errors or whatever, like collectively we were crap. At what point do you look at it and you start thinking that actually it's a system problem? Because if we're setting up to be a possession side, but we're having a lot of this ball at Mings's feet, ball at concert or Chambers feet, ball at fullbacks feet. And there's maybe one out pass a lot of the time. And the increasingly it's like ball to feet, for Coutinho or Brendia, and you're banking on them pulling something out of the hat like Coutinho did against Leeds, where you first touch is perfect, you spin the man, you play that incisive through ball through. Like if you get to a point like what happened today where you're giving the ball into feet, there are no real runners, you're playing against a relatively high press. Um, you're very quickly in a position where those attempts to be a possession-based team are getting you nowhere, right? And I think today, after a while, we sort of resorted to lumping it up to Watkins and hoping that Watkins' hold-up play is good enough that 
you know, two Newcastle centre backs and a Newcastle central midfielder can't, you know, can't get the ball off him, um, which didn't prove to be the case. Surprise, surprise. Um, so, I mean, I do think bringing a defence midfielder in is going to help to some degree because I agree with Simon, it's going to alleviate, that alleviates the pressure, doesn't it, on Louise and McGinn. Um, but at some point you have to look like maybe this system of playing with two number 10s where they're kind of wide, but they're kind of central. Um, they mainly stay, I like Brendia's defensive work rate a lot, but generally speaking, you're not really going to get that from Coutinho. And obviously their main role is to link between midfield and attack. Um, against Leeds, it worked all right, Lincoln. But today, like, there's no link. There's not even a not even a shred of a link of you know of play between midfield and attack. So, at what point do you say actually we're going to have to work on this in training, and we're going to have to find a way if we can't be the possession-based team that we want to be? You know, what's Plan B? What's Plan C beyond just hoofing it up to a striker who's let's be frank, hopelessly out of form? Um. It's a difficult one. And like I say, I feel like I say every week these days, I'm not, a I'm not a coach. I'm not a manager, so I don't have the solution. But like, unfortunately, it's true. And I think it's fair to say not enough. You know, I'm still obviously I like a lot about Gerard. I do think we're moving forward, but we as fans can't come up with solutions to that. And at the moment, I kind of think our coaching staff are struggling to come up with solutions to that. So at what point do you think, you know, we don't really have much to play for? you know, God forbid anything drastic happens. We really shouldn't be in any danger of getting sucked down into the whirlpool of bottom five. Um, so, you know, do you start working now on in training and on match days at coming up with these different systems, finding a different way to play that? Because I think, you know, we, Coutinho and Buendia have got that touch of class. But at the moment, for me, the, the main issue is that we just don't have a system that gets anywhere near enough out of our midfield three. It's great with Ramsey having these runs forward. He's a nice cold finisher. He's been really, he's been really impressive. But if you're thinking about it honestly, when was the last time that you can honestly say that our midfield had a good game? It's been a, a you know, okay, Everton away, we won pretty solid performance, but we weren't particularly spectacular. You know, there's an argument to say that we haven't played well since maybe the Leicester win early December. It's not, you know, it's not good enough, and you have to see the pattern that's you know, emerging in front of you. And a, a lot of it is on trying to play a possession game with full backs bombing forward, number 10s being creative or whatever, but not having the midfield to sustain it. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because when I think about it from a system's point of view, either when you look at our midfield, they're either too far back, so we're too disjointed from our attack, or they're too far forward where they just get bypassed completely. There's no consistency or middle ground. And I struggled to think of one this season where we thought, you know what, this has been the best game from our midfield two, three, whatever um, that we've came out with really. And I, I guess that kind of segues nicely into another question from uh, let's see here, Monty Bannister at Bannister Monty um, on Twitter. And I'll, I'll direct this one to uh, you, Simon. He says, what are the reasons behind Sanson not getting on the field? Obviously we don't know the exact reasons, but what do you make in, of that whole situation? It's kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Points of it. It's a difficult one to answer, really, because you know none of us have a clue if if there is sort of anything going on. Uh, that would be why he's not getting in the team. But then, 
you kind of think it, it wouldn't be like a disciplinary or like a, an attitude problem like that because then surely he wouldn't be on the bench. So I, I'm not too sure, really. I mean, I kind of, he, he's just one of those players that he's obviously been very unlucky with injuries. Um, but when he has plays, I, I think by and large, certainly this season, I, I think he's he's done a reasonably good job. I know against Man U, obviously, he was at fault for their second goal. But I actually thought that he'd had a fairly decent game uh, in up until then. And uh, I think it was a boxing day against Chelsea when we lost and we were generally pretty poor. But again, I thought he actually played reasonably well that day. So, I mean, I, I, as to why he hasn't been featuring the team so much so far, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's anything that any of us will be able to answer. That's, that's one for uh, the Steven Gerrard, I think. But I suspect on the back of today's performance and uh, Gerard's comments after the game, I wouldn't be surprised if if he uh, if he started against Watford on the weekend. And to be honest, that's something I'd like to see because, uh, as I say, I think he's he's done pretty well this season when he has played. So, and Watford's in theory should be a nice game <laughs> for him to come into. Um, so yeah, I think that's one to look at. I also wonder as well. I don't know if you'll necessarily start, but and I'm going to butcher the last surname, Irabunum, is it? <laughs> the, the youngster on the bench. I saw uh, there were some quotes earlier today before the game um, from Gerard's apparently saying that he's very close to making his debut. Um, I mean, it's, you don't want to pin all your hopes on, on an 18-year-old to come in as a hold in the midfield and hope that he's going to be great, but that could be an opportunity for him. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see what happens. But something's got to change in that midfield, definitely. These, we we line up against Watford and it's the three of Ramsey, Louise and McGinn. Again, I, I think a few people's heads are going to explode. Yeah, massively. And I think I think it was Stan Collingmore that actually put out a tweet with, um, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but I, so I'm not going to say it either, but with his photo from like player photo from this season. Um, saying like you'll thank me later or something weird like that. I don't know, but anyways, it was it was quite odd for him to say it. But you know what? Maybe he knows something we don't, and uh, we could be seeing that sooner rather than later. Because I was kind of sitting there thinking, like, you're going into Watford, they're struggling to keep clean sheets. Um, I mean, we are too, really. I mean, we have been all season, arguably. Like, we're nowhere near the clean sheet total that we hit last season, and nor will we probably even get close to that. You'd imagine at this stage, but at what point does Dougie Louise get a rest? And I know we've kind of, I wouldn't say we've screwed ourselves in the sense that we haven't got a, a Basuma or um, whoever X, Y, Z we were linked with in January just to be desperate, but it's almost like we're p- pinning all of our hopes and aspirations this season in that position on him. And again, like I said before, it's really not fair because <laughs> there's no really other options unless um we have this youngster come in and he just lights it up. But again, that is a lot to pin all that on him when um, I'm, I'm sure he's probably not up to the uh, standard Premier League weight. Um, Cause if we can all recall to the summer, there was a video that went out with Dean Smith and Carney Chukwameka kind of saying how much muscle mass he's put on and all this kind of stuff. Cause he was too lightweight last season. So let's uh, let's not go too heavy into that one, but Tom, I'll come to you with another one. Let's go with uh, Rob G um, at on tour forever on Twitter. 
He's asking, why is Watkins still out there? He's constantly offside, has no strength when challenges for the ball, and isn't contributing much other than trying to poach a goal. Uh, Mix it up a bit and get Ings on there. Yeah, I mean, like I was calling for, I was, I thought Ings might start today. I thought they might mix it up because I think like Ollie just looks um, devoid of confidence, certainly in a form. I don't think it's fair to say that like he doesn't look interested because I don't think he's that kind of player at all. I do, I do, I do fully believe that he always gives his all. I just don't. I think he's another one who suffered, and I've said it loads of times, but uh, we've talked about it before on, on on here. But you know, he's suffered desperately. For I know we don't like mentioning his name, but he who shall not be named who left us like, like in the summer, like that's had a terrible effect on Watkins. Let's be honest, because you look at how many goals Watkins scored, and all a lot of his good play last season came down that left hand side linking up. And while we've got like Coutinho and Buendia now, they're not really the same kind of player in that they get have the ball at their feet, they take people on, and they create space for somebody like Watkins to exploit like Watkins game has changed a lot and it's been a forced change I think because he's asked to do so much almost defending from the front right like ball you know ball to feet holding off center backs bringing other people into the game and it just more often than not it, it breaks down but like I have to say, I, like I like Ings's work rate and Ings is uh has got some decent hold up play but if we're going to continue to play the way that we're playing, I'm not sure how much better Ings does really. Like Ings's main advantage over Watkins for me is that he's more clinical as a finisher. And you'd think he needs Ings two or three chances to score. Whereas I'm sorry, like Watkins at the moment, five or six chances to score is putting it generously, I think. Um, so that's the key difference for them. But like, if you're going to continue to play this game where, you're playing the ball into striker's feet. A lot of the time he's got his back to goal, a long way from goal and bringing people in. Like, I think it's kind of an issue with the system that you're playing. Um, so it gets to the point where, you know, like if you're, if you're playing against Watford, do you get to a point now where if Bailey is deemed fit, do you maybe bring somebody like Bailey into the team and focus more on chance, you know, incisive play and chance creation? Because if you're going to do that, and then maybe you can suggest that Ings might fare better than Watkins up front. Um, it's difficult. It's like all I, what about Watkins, the main thing I think really is just, it's honestly, it's a bit sad to see him like this. Because I know that, you know, he saw last season, he was a real fan favourite for almost every Villa fan. And it was obvious why, right? Not, not only was he scoring, but he was at the heart of a lot of what was good about our play. But he just, he's looked lost really um and it's tough you know if you're if you're somebody like Danny Ings like you're talking about Sanson as well for the midfield like if you're this kind of player and you're sat on the bench and you're looking at the way Villa are playing now it's going to be hard for it to go on a bit longer without you getting seriously pissed off that you're not getting on the pitch right because I don't it's it's at a point where I'm really not sure that players like Ollie Watkins Douglas Louise should be guaranteed starts in the team because how, how long do you persist with personnel that aren't really getting it done for you? Like, okay, I know that Watkins scored that offside goal today. Um, if that had stood, that would have been obviously would have been nice in the context of the game, but also would have been nice for Watkins. Cause I do think he's a big confidence player. Um, 
and now you just worry like, okay, you put the ball in the net, but is the fact that he was another marginal offside decision, you know, is that actually going to have a negative effect on his confidence, even though he's put the ball in the net, you know? Um, it's one of the, if we're looking at making serious changes, then changing the striker is something I would seriously consider and giving things to go up front. But my, a big concern is that I do think it's going to necessitate a bit of a change of system. Can't just keep giving the ball to strikers with their back to goal. and bank on their first, their second, maybe even their third touch being perfect. Like, yeah, you're going to have a very low rate of success, you know, playing that sort of system. I guess the long, I guess the short answer is that I don't really know. <laughs> well, that was the longest short answer. I've, uh, I've heard it a long time, but nonetheless, it was, it's, it's always good to, uh, to get your input, Tom. And I know you'll message me after and say you probably ranted for too long, but nonetheless, it, it was good. And you made some good points, but no, like Simon, where do you sit with this? Because I think I mentioned this before we started recording. Like, do you think we even have the, I, wouldn't, I would never say any striker is perfect, but do you think we have the ideal striker for Jared's system? Because of course, Ollie Watkins was here before. Danny Ings was here before. We have Cameron Archer on loan. And I know there was a question uh, from a listener that mentioned maybe bringing him back. That's not going to happen. Uh, but where do you sit with all this and the whole striker pool that we have right now? Well, with Watkins, it's, it's a weird one because if he was performing like he was last season, then then you think he, he would sort of work into it. But it's... Just something doesn't seem right there. I mean, Tom, when, when Tom was talking about the holes at play, that was something that last season he he was quite good at. Like he he held the ball up very well. I mean, so you, you think back to that um live the demolition of Liverpool where he he was bullying Van Dijk, which I hadn't seen a striker do before in the Premier League. So it's not that he he can't do it, but I just I, I can't work out what's what's going on at the moment. It, it sort of feels like there's maybe something off the pitch that we don't know about that that is having an effect because he just he, he doesn't look anywhere near the play he was last season. He, he doesn't look happy. I, I agree that it's when some people say he doesn't look interested. Like that that's I, I I don't get on board with that. Like he he does still run and sort of close people down. Like, like I think he is trying, but he doesn't look happy out there. And you kind of think Danny Ings, he's, I sort of think if, if he's in there and you've got Coutinho and Brendia sort of playing through balls, I think he's better suited to that. And also there was two occasions in the Leeds game on Wednesday. And there was one in the first half and Cash put a ball in, one in the second half and Dina did. And they fizzed it across the six-yard box. Watkins sort of got himself in there, but sort of half-heartedly stuck a leg out and... You think those are the chances that someone like Ings would snap up, and the way we're playing is, is the idea of getting the fullbacks high up the pitch to get those crosses in. That's where I think Ings would be better suited than Watkins because he's more of that sort of poacher in the box as well. He's, he's he seems to have more of that natural instincts to be in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Watkins can't play in this system because. We all saw last season that he's got abilities there, but there's there's just something something's off at, at the moment, and you kind of feel what we're saying about some of the midfielders possibly might be looking over their shoulder come the summer of players coming in. 
I think them two, I don't, I'm not sure if both of them or possibly either of them will be at Villa at the start of next season. I, I really don't know. It's it's a weird one. So you look on paper and you think you've got Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings in your squads. You should be, they should be, you should be able to get at least one of them working. It's something's odds that neither of them seem to be able to get on a, a goal scoring run when Ings especially is a proven goal scorer in the Premier League and Watkins showed last season what he can do. So, yeah, I think that's, that's something else that, that's going to need a lot of work. Yeah, like this is the, the interesting thing now when I think about it too, and we've kind of went on about this throughout the season when we look at the strength of our bench now compared to last season, the season before, et cetera, et cetera. Like for me, I kind of sit there and then I think now like it's fantastic to have these options, but what good are they if you're not maximizing them to your true potential? And like you said there, Simon, to be honest, I can agree with you to some sense that I wouldn't be shocked if both of them were out the door somehow. Well, let's be honest, if Ings is at the door, we're probably losing massive money on that deal, you would imagine. But at the same time, you never know because everyone knows he's a pure goal poacher and everyone can always use use those even with uh, one bad season. And we've seen him come back from a major injury in his career before and he lit it up with Southampton, of course, and he had a really good goal scoring record as well there. And there was one comment here, and I think it was on my own Twitter that they replied and asked for a question and that would have been uh interpol at i think it's at bendy mex um on twitter and he says blame the players or the manager i know it's not the black and white but what can you uh oh sorry i gotta reread this i know it's not that black and white but you catch my drift i know what you think or i know what i think and i can't blame the manager essentially is what he's saying i butchered that but nonetheless um, i think you guys catch my drift on that one as tom snickers in the background um so tom i'm gonna throw this back to you to put you under pressure if you're i don't want to say if you're gonna blame one group or the other where does this result fall because for me it's both yeah i mean it's definitely it is, it's definitely both, isn't it? It's like it's definitely a combination of the two. But I mean, I think, um, like I said, like today, today's game, it's not like we lost that game because of individual errors. Uh, it's like this guy was this guy was terrible. He should not be in the team. I don't think there's anything that was anywhere near that clear cut today. Um, I think when you have defeats like this, where the collective is just so not up to standard, then you do have to start turning your attention towards the manager and the coaching staff. And like, obviously I know the problem is now with football fandom is that it's got to be one extreme or the other. Right. So this is not to say that, you know, we're criticizing Gerard, therefore we shouldn't have appointed him or he should go. Um, No, nothing like that whatsoever, but it's kind of like, we were, we were really, obviously we were really poor under Smith just before he left. We're on a terrible run of games. That's true. Um, we wouldn't have continued being that terrible if we'd have kept Smith. At some point, you are going to have a bounce back again. And so this is one of those inherent risks. Again, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. And there's a lot about Gerard that I really like. I do think in a lot of ways, we are a better team with him in charge. And I personally, I like his the way that he seems to read games and read performances and assess it, I think is shows that he has the potential certainly to be a level above as a manager. But it, 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 we are showing the inherent risk of making a managerial change like that because you get, you get the, the, the bounce period 
where everybody's up, you're getting some good results, like, oh, this is new and shiny, this is new and shiny, so fans like it, right? Oh, he says all the right things. But you're at a point now where you're looking like one win in seven, five points in two months in the league. Um, that it, 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 can't, it can't continue, right? Let's put it that way. Like, it cannot ca- carry on being that bad. Otherwise, there are going to be serious questions asked. One thing I will say is that I think we've seen enough signs from Gerard and his coaching staff. They came with very, very strong reputations. I think we've seen enough that they are, there's a good sort of uh, on-field analytics side to that coaching staff. And like you can rest assured that they are going to know that this is not good enough. And they are going to know that, you know, we're not controlling the game enough in midfield. We're not giving Ollie Watkins enough support. We're not producing enough quality in the final third from fullbacks or from midfield. Like they're going to be aware of these issues. And so you get to a point now, I think, where no fan likes to think in mid-February that their season's done and there's nothing really to play for. But um, I think that's a relatively safe bet for us at the moment. Like I can't see us falling down enough to get seriously worried. It's absolutely no way that we're going to threaten the European race at all. Um, So, I think we might benefit from this position now from thinking right until August is what, six months. We basically have a six month period now to start preparing for next season. If we want to go for a real European push, I know it's a bit depressing to be saying that in mid February, Um, but why not tinker with it a bit and why not try some new stuff out, new personnel. There are people who need a rest. I wouldn't again, like Watkins, people like that. I don't want to sell them. I'm not necessarily saying they're crap, let's get them out, because they're not crap, are they? But you can't keep putting them out there and keep playing the same way. All you're going to do is drain them further. I'm talking about Watkins. I'm talking about Louis. I keep saying them, but they're the two stick in my my mind, really, as sort of suffering from whatever it is that we're suffering from at the moment. Um, It's the biggest test, certainly, of Gerard and Co.'s sort of coaching chops so far. Um, and I think freshening up the personnel ties in right from the players and the coaching. But I think the first thing to start with, honestly, I think is to freshen up at least a couple of the personnel and start figuring out how we can get into a position, whether it's Coutinho and Buendia dropping back more to support the midfield a bit more. Maybe it's saying, Hey, we put the brakes on the fullbacks bombing forward so much so that we don't get so overloaded at at centre-back we've got to try out a few of these tweaks. We've got to find a way that allows us to get at least some kind of control and dominance in a game again. Because if this keeps going on, we're just going to leak poor results and we're going to get to a point where I'm not so worried about relegation or anything, but just you don't want to get to that point where the mood is just really down, do you? And and it, it, it is a danger, I think, if we don't start tweaking these things. Yeah, and like even today, um, we had 63 63- present possession and to be honest i can't believe that because it did not feel like that at all um and i can't remember i saw a tweet i think just after the match and i can't exactly remember who put it out there the amount of times that we gave away possession or something like that i don't know if you have that tom because you're nodding your head yeah it was uh it was pat i think pgr analytics that account uh apparently we gave the ball away 136 times today and like I don't know, I don't know what the average is, but if you're giving the ball away like what 1.5 times per minute, <laughs> um, that's uh, that's a problem. 
just 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 a smidge and um i i know seb's been or not seb sorry seb's not here i feel bad for seb because i'm thinking of how uh poor that trip from newcastle and back must be for he's him. crying he's crying on the train <laughs> back in it but simon i will never mistake you for seb again so don't hurt me um <laughs> and i won't mention the age difference but nonetheless I, I saw you having a little sip there of something so i don't know if it's spiked to talk about this to get through the misery of it but it's it's not pretty statistics, is it? No, that's um, yeah. That that almost seems like borderline impossible to to be able to do that, especially when you think what do we have? Was it sixty three percent possession? You said we had. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm struggling to work out the maths of how you can have so much of the possession yet give the ball away so many times. It doesn't really seem to make sense. Um, but I mean. I, I mean, there were a couple of occasions where, like, some of the passing was just horrific. I mean, you're talking sort of basic ten-yard passes that are just given straight to to like a Newcastle player. Um, I don't know. These does uh, like if you lose the ball in the set piece, does that count in that? Because that would explain a lot. Because I mean, some of the set pieces. I mean, let's just briefly mention this. Has did Louise win a competition in training or something? Because yeah. <laughs> you've, like, you've, you've got Coutinho and Dean on the pitch. How was Louise on every set piece? And after the first two that he launched into space, like, why would you give him another one? When we had the free kick, which was probably a bit too far out for a shot, but it was still, you know, a, a reasonable opportunity. Why on earth would you not let Coutinho take that? Why are you letting Louise just float it into the keeper's arms? It was, um, yeah, yeah, it was a, a bad one. But um, I don't know. I, I think I've run out of things to say on this game. And the uh, yeah, I do feel sorry for Seb because I I've done that trip on a couple of occasions where we've lost one nil as well, and it's uh, it's pretty rough. It, I suppose the one saving grace for me is on the train, whereas I've had to drive back with a horrific hangover on the back of a last-minute winner for Newcastle with a Newcastle fan in the car. So, happy days for me. <laughs> a lot of up-the-tunes were said that evening, I'm sure, um, when you probably didn't want to hear them. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it, it's not pretty viewing when you look at these stats. I mean, like we've said, uh, 63% possession for us, 37 for Newcastle. Uh, shots overall, we somehow had 11. I don't remember us even having five attempts to be honest it felt like they had 10 uh we had one shot on target they had two um we had six corners they had three they had 22 fouls and we had 15 i mean for the last 20 minutes i felt like we were being fouled at about um probably five fouls per minute that's what it felt like at least to me but i mean it the numbers really don't matter it's what you do with it and at the end of the day we can be this possession-based side that has all this nice passing but if there's nothing to show for it, I really don't give a crap. We could have 15% possession and still win 3-0. It's what you do with, say, three opportunities if you only got those in that game. So I think that's one thing to, to mention. But what I think is also important to mention before we move on to um, the three-word reviews and then we'll get into our uh, match balls and then get the hell out of here because I'm sick and tired of thinking about this loss is our defenders and of course Callum Chambers comes in and I, to be honest I thought he was all right I think it's pretty 
he's pretty hard done by, in my opinion, to be blamed for the goal, considering that we completely collapsed right in front of the both center backs and just kind of screwed them out and forcing them and to making a, a tackle like that. Uh, Tyrone Mings was much better, in my opinion, made a number of uh, sliding tackles to negate a few counterattacks that were much needed. Uh, Digne, I mean, again, we're not putting him on set pieces. We're not. Uh, giving him opportunities to move down the left flank on the overlap. I mean, that's pretty stupid. We saw Matty Cash Day, basically our furthest player forward for 90% of the game. And I don't know what the hell has happened to his ball possession and his dribbling skills and his delivery. But to be honest, I love Matty Cash, but if someone came in for 40 million in the summer right now, I'd be grabbing and cutting your hand off of that and keeping that as well with the fee because my God, some of the balls lately have been absolutely terrible. But Tom, I'll throw this to you, and this will give you plenty to rant and rave about. So, what did you make of our defenders today? I didn't think. I mean, I didn't think defense was the problem at all today. Oh, we lost the game higher up the pitch, definitely. Um, I agree about Mings. Thought Mings. I thought Mings bounced back uh, pretty well, actually. Um, got in the way a lot of times. Some really, a couple of really, really great challenges when Newcastle was sort. There's one on some Maximan, I think, when Newcastle was surging forward. And he sort of hooked round from the side and took the ball cleanly. Um, Chambers, I thought, was you know fine. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna uh, you know I'm not gonna write an essay about how great he was, but uh, he certainly. I don't think you can look at him and you can pinpoint any you know mistakes as much as you know there are people who like to do that. Um, it was last higher at the pitch, wasn't it? So you know maybe we talk. I was talking about you know tinkering and trying some new stuff out, like. Be interested to see if Chambers does get tried a little bit further forward anytime soon, because you never know. Maybe we've got a decent sort of Nakamba-esque solution right in front of us. You you won't know till you try, right? I know that happened in um, the behind one of the behind closed doors games, didn't it? I think where he played defense midfield. Um, Brentford, did we play? Yeah, that's um, the, that's the only time we can beat them <laughs> behind closed yeah. doors. No one can see it. <laughs> If you didn't see it, there's no proof that it happened here. Um, but, you know, maybe we try that because I didn't think, you know, I thought he looked relatively uh, composed positionally. I thought he was decent. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a solution. But I still think there's a fundamental issue with our fullbacks bombing forward so much. Like that's all well and good when you're creating clear cut chances from having your fullbacks get forward so much. But like, I'm not really down for continuing to watch our fullbacks, you know, play mostly in the opposition half and then Matty Cash lose the ball or it break down before it gets to Dina in a, in a good position, right? And like at the moment, like, sorry, but even if you get Dina in a good crossing position, he's got great delivery, but most of the time you got maybe one man in the box and it's a hopelessly out of form Molly Watkins. Doesn't exactly inspire confidence, do you know what I mean? So... I think there are still things that can be looked at in the defense. Like I've got no doubt that cons and like, I think concert comes back in next week. I know what we're saying about complacency or whatever, and that's a valid point, but um, I think it'd be harsh on concert to not get his spot back. Um, but I'm a bit, I'd be a bit interested to see maybe chambers tried in defense midfield. Cause we certainly need some kind of, um, we need more ability to win the ball and to, um, distribute as well from you know from defensive midfield um but yeah i mean it's that certainly it's chalk and cheese with the leeds game really because the leeds game you can clearly look at it and you can say okay we've we failed to win that game because of the defense whereas like today um 
it was, if you're going to pinpoint one area of the pitch, it was midfield, but it was just a co- collectively below par effort, I thought, really. Yeah, the, the chamber showed at defensive mid's interesting because I just feel like uh, Dougie Louise needs to be taken out of the firing line a lot. He just needs a rest. I, I think he just needs a rest. And it's not, it's not necessarily about, you know, you're playing poorly, so you're dropped. Now you got to, you know, it's not even necessarily about now you've got to earn your way back into the team necessarily. It's just that you've got to look at things. And when players are looking low on confidence, like Watkins or the game's passing them by a bit, which I feel like happens with Louise a fair bit, like it's kind of, you know, that definition of madness is to keep doing the same thing over and over again if it's not working, right? So mm-hmm. there are a few players, I think, who are primed for uh, being rotated out of the 11. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and there's that constant pressure with him with fans kind of wondering why he hasn't signed up for an, a contract extension and who knows if that's even really been put out there. So, um, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't really hurt to give him, I'm not saying a week off of doing nothing, but just getting back to basics almost, I'm not saying he felt he fell out of love with football, but maybe just getting back to the basics, letting him kind of fall in love with the whole process all over again. Um in a more humorous note, I'm, I'm glad to see he's finally learning English through Alicia Lehman via TikTok. Um, they are the new uh, super group for helping uh, the uh, the PR department and media par- department for uh, Aston Villa going forward. So hopefully we can keep them around for that because it's uh, it's funny to see. And to the people that comment on that kind of stuff and think like, oh, you should be working on your free kicks and things like that. It's like, like yeah, it is funny for them to say that somewhat. And like maybe they do have some kind of point, but like no just just let young romance blossom as we know with our own young sebastian bacon um anyways i won't dig him out there too much but uh, let's go over to the three word match reviews um i started liking a bunch of these to kind of pick and choose which ones um actually wanted to read out to be a little bit organized this time and then another 57 came in um afterwards so i'll do my best um to make sense of all of these and uh, read out as many as possible so We'll start with John C saying needed freshening up. We'll go to um, Hack Ashak Sabbath saying recall Cameron Archer. Let's go to Dave King. Just can't pass. Jay Nolan UTV tired Watkins rotation. Let's go down to Rob G again uh, commenting in. So thanks Rob for all the support. Um, He's saying Watkins must sit. Um, Al underscore AVFC poor player mentality. Uh, let's scroll down further to the bottom because there's a load more. JMO2 cash can't dribble. Mr. P VAR was wrong. Uh, Henry or sorry, not Henry, Henny Martinez. Sorry, Henny. Um, not good enough. Uh, Steven Jimson, our season frustrating. And uh, let's see if we can read uh, two more here. Landon, not good enough. And we'll finish with uh, Lee Buckley, a summer clear out, which we've also kind of briefly uh, touched upon. Wouldn't really be shocked if one, two, three or four people go out the door this summer to make way for players that can better fit the system. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a few surprises along the way, but nonetheless, we'll have to wait and see. So I haven't mentioned it to these guys either, but I'm going to put them under the hot seat now. So, Tom, three word review. Um, (laughs) Get Get better, please. <laughs> I think needs I think needs freshening up is the one that I would agree with most out of those. I think like you've got to we are 
stale doesn't really quite cover it you know like without because i know we had the moments of brilliance that going forward from coutinho and, and ramsey against leeds but like we're just we're in danger of going almost comatose aren't we really so uh, uh needs freshening up i agree with fair enough simon how about you uh I'll go with how it made me feel and quoting Alan Partridge, Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best one I've ever heard, definitely live. Um, I think I'll just put three points, please. Um, and that can be applied to the infinite amount of games going forward um, or, oh, dear Lord, something like that. But anyways, nonetheless, I'll get to because I edit this podcast. So fair enough plot to me but anyways uh let's go over to the match balls and we'll go to tom and so who was your man of the match today if there was one because to be honest i did the player ratings and i really struggled yeah fair enough i mean like we said slim pickings but i think i'd have to give it to mings i did think he led by example today um i think even the uh the infamous section of our fan base would have trouble pinpointing a particular error that cost us today from Mings and I think he uh, there's one thing you can say about him I think is that you respond I do feel like he responds well to criticism and to setbacks and I did I like I think he put himself about today um won a lot of you know won a lot of balls um uh, you know uh so it's Mings for me but uh, in a more accurate way probably the a match ball each for every uh Villa fan who made the journey today yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And you know what? Dan Byrne is such a fan of Tyrone Mings that he even ripped a part of his shirt and probably took it home with him as well. So if you haven't seen that picture, it's definitely on social media or on the internet somewhere. But Simon, who would you give your match ball to? I mean, when sort of watching the game and thinking ahead to this podcast, I, I was thinking, Christ, who on earth am I going to pick here? Um, yeah, probably Mings as well. I mean, it's kind of it's weird. We were talking about the defense earlier, like him and Chambers, they, they were fine today. And the reason they were mainly fine, is they didn't actually have to do an awful lot. Newcastle weren't particularly good. They the first half they were sharper than us, obviously, and were like first to the ball. But then they never looked like they were going to score either. So it's kind of sort of giving it to Mings, but thinking it, it's not like he really had an awful lot to do, but. I mean, there was those couple of um, challenges in the second half to stop a few Newcastle breaks and sort of they won the headers that he had to won, that had to win, but and tried to drive us forward a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, there's not really many players to choose from. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go for Mings. That's, I suppose as well on the back of a pretty disastrous 90 minutes against Leeds, you know, at least, at least he came back and put in a solid enough performance. It's right, isn't it? Because I, I was worried the last couple of days. I was thinking, not looking forward to facing St. Maximan. Chris Wood's always an absolute nightmare for Villa to play against. For some reason, Villa appeared to be his favourite team. But like they, they were both pretty quiet, really. Like you're never going to keep St. Maximan completely quiet because he's one of those players. But they didn't. I didn't really feel like they caused us that many problems, which I suppose makes the defeat, you know, even more frustrating, doesn't it? But I think a lot of that was down to the fact that. I, I did feel like the solidity was back at center back. Yeah. I think one of the yeah. talking points that got brought up and apologies to whoever sent that in um, with their thoughts. So if, if this, if you're listening and that was you kudos to you, 
Um, but they brought something up along the lines of if that was a m- even meagerly better side, we'd probably lose like three or four or five nil or whatever they put. Like it's again, it's taking advantage of your opportunities and we're just not doing that. And like, I hate to say it cause it's only February, but like, it just kind of seems like it's last season all over again. And we're just kind of slowly gliding into the end of the season where we just think, okay, there's a little bit of a break and, I don't know. I, I just hope the mentality gets a lot better because it just, again, we had all this positivity when Jared came in and then Coutinho came in and some uh, more new players. And we, we see all this kind of new and exciting stuff. And there was an immediate uptick and eventually there's going to be a, a downturn and we're seeing that right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's rectified. And I mean, hopefully to hell it's rectified against Watford because after I think what Watford Brighton, and um, Southampton, we have a really bad run in. So the six games that we thought we were going to somehow win all of them or something like that and go on another championship like unbeaten streak. Um, yeah, it's not happening. But uh, anyways, um, I'm going to give my match ball to Jacob Ramsey. And I know that's a little bit of an unpopular opinion. And I put that on the player ratings and I had a few people tweet me about that um, kind of questioning why. But to be honest, the only reason I gave it to him is because out of all the midfielders, he I'm not going to say looked like the only one bothered, but he was really the only one that at least tried to drive the team up the pitch. He had to do a few things himself. And when you look at Coutinho and Buendia and how isolated they were, if he'd probably go back and watch the whole game, I felt like he was the only one that at least got like fed those two a little bit. So in terms of that, and he was all over the place. I mean, he was probably doing more than he really had to. So I thought I'd give it to him as well. And we've been having a little bit of a love fest with him as of late. So why not continue to add to that? Um, Tom, what was the uh, nickname you wanted to give him? I'm going to put you on on blast here because um, I can't remember it. And I thought it was hilarious. I'd like to call uh, Jacob Ramsey the cathedral because his ceiling's so high. <laughs> so i don't know if anyone will find that humorous to be honest but i got a good kick out of it so there, there's one laugh and i can see simon having a little giggle as well so there's two um we'll throw seven there as well because he's a young man and he still finds the word poop probably funny but anyways um so we'll, we'll wrap it up there guys i think we've been going for more than long enough so thank you very much to tom and simon for joining me of course we should be back for a opposition match preview prior to the watford game but regardless you'll hear from us next monday post watford hopefully three points because i'm tired of feeling uh, depressed annoyed and irritated every sunday when we record these but yeah we'll wrap it up there and don't forget up the villa catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 